0: Well, good morning everybody. This is Jeff Morton with my co host Dr. Dina Dye. Hello, Dina.
1: Well, hello, Jeff. How are you this morning?
0: I'm doing fantastic. It's good to uh be uh I guess putting together another episode, an important episode, I believe, of Returning yes. to Eden. Mm-hmm. And folks, just real quickly, we don't do this every single month or every single week. We kind of do it when when we have time, to be honest, and also when there's something important that we want to talk about. It's kind of an ongoing thing for us, so Uh, We just ask you to stay tuned to the Podbean uh, Returning to Eden, and I'm always going to let you know when there's a new episode. And if you like the Podbean page, if you actually click like, any time we post anything, you'll get notified. So please take advantage of that. We do appreciate your support and your listening in. So, Dina, we're going to jump right in and talk about the upcoming conference. You're pretty busy. I know you're going to be at Revive. You're going to be at Love for Israel. You're coming back up here to the Pacific Northwest for John Walt. But let's take a moment and talk about Professor Walton for a minute. You read and I read his latest book, uh, The Lost World of the Torah. Uh, how How would you like to describe your experience of listening to this professor over the course of however many years we've been connected to him?
1: I, I thought it was his best book of the group. Um, you know, it's got the Lost World series, the Lost World Genesis 1, Lost World of Adam and Eve, Lost World of the Flood. And all of them have been groundbreaking. And I think all of the, them were necessary to get to the place of the Lost World of the Torah. And I'm sure he would say the exact same thing. Anytime you're uh, you're writing, you're an author, you know, you're growing in what you're learning and What you start with, you end up building a foundation. Same thing happened for me as I started with the creation, Temple Revealed in Creation, and then the garden, and now working on Noah's Ark. You know, I couldn't write this unless I wrote that. So I'm guessing he would have thought the same thing. I thought that the lost world of the Torah was the culmination for him, probably, of uh, years and years and years of study and teaching. And it's... A groundbreaking book uh, it will be a challenge for some because when you have a preconceived idea about things and you go and you read something that is a paradigm shift sometimes it's very difficult but in essence what he shared and what I think is key and I arrived at the same place you know on my own but he for me was confirmation because he is in a world of scholarship that I am not but that the in the ancient world uh, they did not uh, their their world was not sort of the legal world that we have today. Um, we have of course the way our constitution is set up and we have House of Representatives with the um, the representatives in the Senate their whole job is to pass legislation but the ancient world was not a world of quote unquote legislation the way we think of it. The ancient world was the world of of uh, judicial rulings, and for Israel, covenantal rulings. Right. So the focus of the ancient world was those two things, not so much legislative and legal. And so that applies as well to the Torah. So what what's happened for us today is we view the Torah through the lens of how we operate legislatively today. So we look at the Torah in, as legal rulings based on how we operate, legislatively but that isn't the that isn't the world of the ancient Near East and so when you look when you look at it through the lens of the ancient Near East world and we were looking at it judicially and covenantally the key ingredient in all of this was wisdom and that is the emphasis that uh, Walton made in his book and I agree with it wholeheartedly that's the lens through which we look and that's not a lens we're familiar with in the modern day and we've talked about this quite a bit, but if we do not look at the scriptures from the world in which they were written and the world of the people that lived it, we are going to miss a lot. It's not to say that we can't make an application for today, but we have right. got to start with the fundamentals there. And the ancient Near East world functioned much differently. You know, it is, it's, a, it's the Middle East. It's an honor-shame type culture it it is a world that describes things using language that's not familiar to us and so what we do today in our modern world is because our approach is more scientific as we take everything literally and try to put everything in a literal scientific rational box but that's not their world and so our goal with returning to eden is to try to get back to that world the ancient near east world that culture and say okay what are they talking about and now how can we apply it today? So just one example, because there are myriads, is that the ancient world of course described its world as gods and goddesses and kings and all that sort of thing. But the domain in the ancient world of kings was heaven. So they're not talking about some other worldly space alternate universe thing. That's just the way they describe the domain of the king and how he ruled. He ruled from heaven. So now when we go read about kings and we have all this language about heavenly stuff, it's not meant to be, you know, out of otherworldly type stuff. It's just that's the way they describe their world. So um, I don't know, hopefully the answer
0: kind of answers the question there. Well, I mean, and it's one of the things that's a pivotal point to make because Professor Walton, who is a linguist, and he studies each word, yeah. Uh, as it would have been applied hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. And so it's, he's so out of the box with his propositions yeah. that it, it, if to just consider what he's saying, it, if you can somehow match it to the world that Moses wrote uh, in or Joshua or any one of the biblical writers, because, folks, i got news for you. There's not a new book of the Bible in the 21st century. So for some reason, the creator of the universe purposed all of this information to be related to the entire world uh, through that culture, through those cultures, through that time period. And I was reading uh, Proverbs this morning. I was just going through Proverbs 25, and I'm looking at all of the wisdom that is being parlayed through through just that chapter, and I'm thinking, you know, this is timeless. This is timeless wisdom. And yet this book was written thousands of years ago at a time when the application of a legal system or even concepts are vastly different from us. And that's the heart of this program, among other things. Yes.
1: Another lens, if you will, to look at Psalms and Proverbs is through the lens of the king. The whole of Psalms is basically dealing with kingship and King David in particular, although there are Psalms, obviously, with Moses. But if you just step back and start, you know, with um, Blessed is the Man, you know, Ish is talking about a king, and it's dealing with the concepts of kingship. And, of course, much of the Psalms has to do with liturgy in the temple, but that's because the king's throne was in the temple, which was his, his palace. And the book of Proverbs is the wisdom given to the king, given to Solomon by his mother. She was the wife of King David, and she was the mother of King Solomon. So this is another important area, is to look at, at the Psalms and the Proverbs from the perspective of kingship. And it will completely change your view when you go through and read it. Now, if we're supposed to be a kingdom of priests, if we're supposed to be kings and priests, now we understand how the same... Information, the same concepts, the same ideas are supposed to be for us, and that's how we can make an application for today.
0: And when we use the term "kings," kings and priests, really, it's boiling down to one simple, basic fact: servants yeah. in the house of God. We're yes. servants in the house of God, and
1: yes, the son it, was the king, the king's servant. Right. So a covenant would be made. The king was known as the father the the son was known as the servant so a covenant made between the king and servant and father and son and this was a a a covenant made a land-grant covenant was an inheritance covenant all these things so yeah
0: so and of course you know for the conference folks uh, here in the Pacific Northwest that we're doing with John Walton and Dean and I we're going to talk about all of those subjects and hopefully get into a, a different mindset about how we understand the biblical narrative. Uh, and having said that, uh, we hope you sign up for the conference. It's uh, jeffsmorton.com. Everything you need is right there. Uh, Dina's going to be busy right up and through that conference and probably well after the conference. So um, come on up September the 7th and 8th and check out Professor John Walton and Dr. Dina Dye. I Thrilled to be meeting Professor Walton.
1: Oh, me too. This will be the, uh, the highlight for me. <laughs> I'll
0: just leave you with this. I called Dina when Professor Walton said, "Sure, I'd love to do it." Okay, which kind of caught me off guard. But I called Dina and I said, "Would you like to meet John Walton?" <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how this ben, whole are thing. Are you kidding? <laughs> and, and Dina always downplays the fact that these guys are at scholarship. If you read her two books, you realize there's a lot of scholarship in her two books, and now working on the third book. So, if you have not read, uh, uh, what is it, the, the uh, Portrait temple of the Family, the first one, the Portrait of the Family, and then uh, the
1: Temple Revealed in the Garden, Priests and Kings.
0: You're going to see scholarship. You won't know it's scholarship until you start reading scholarship. But Dr. Dina Dye brings a lot of scholarship to the table. So having said all that, we want to jump into a different subject uh, with the 20 minutes we have left of the program. Dina, you just did a news series on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And, folks, I want to just kind of set the table. Dina has done another presentation, a previous one a few years back, where she talks about uh, Bonhoeffer and what he contributed to Germany and how it's just horrible. He ended up being hung. But I've, I've watched that series, and I've also done some research on Bonhoeffer himself. He was actually a twin, had a twin sister. But what he did and how he fought back and how he criticized the church, uh, there's some parallels between then and now. And Dina, that's kind of what your new series is going to talk about. So why don't you go ahead and give us a, a mouthful on what this is all about now the second time around
1: well i I needed to go to israel t v network because I record there pretty regularly, and they were asking for a new series and I had recorded the Dietrich Bonhoeffer series gosh, I think it's about four years ago, and uh it was based on the book by eric Metaxas and it, you know it's five hundred and some pages. I love that book it was uh it, that was just. I had read quite a bit on Bonhoeffer before, but that book just was transformational for me. So I took quotes and things and information from it and put together that series. But it had a bit of a different focus than what, I, what I've what i done now. So I went back and I thought, you know, this is very timely. And I think this would be a good series for the network. And so I rewrote you know, the script, if you will, and put together... Uh, the emphasis was different because we Bonhoeffer talked a lot about the church's role in Germany. And, of course, the, the church ended, in, in essence, in Germany at that time, the church was married to the state. And that was problematic because the people didn't even see a difference between the two. It was just kind of the Lutheran church, Germany, and they're all one, and the state. So when the state, uh, when the the church didn't really see the difference between what Hitler was doing and their churches, you know, it became a problem and one that Bonhoeffer recognized pretty quickly. And it wasn't long before he and, and some others, like Martin Niemoller, and um, there were numbers of of others that formed what they call the Confessing Church, which just was a denomination really to separate itself. From the Lutheran Church, which where there was no difference between the Church and the state, and he talked a lot about how the state was uh, excuse me, the Church was supposed to hold the state to account. But what had happened is that the church had become terrorized by the state. The state had an iron grip on the church, and the church had lost its uh, it was no longer a servant to the state. it had lost its influence. And I was really struck by that, and I thought, you know, this is this is timely. I think we re- need to revisit this. So I put together a nine-part series with a different <coughs> focus, and I do talk quite a bit uh, towards the end of the series uh, comparing the platform of the Nazis, uh, the Democratic Socialists, with the uh, current Democrat Party. The similarities are eerie, and it'll just you're you're going to be just stunned when you see the similarities between the two. I find it interesting oftentimes democrats if you will <laughs> often accuse others of being Nazis and sometimes the very thing we accuse others of is the very thing that we are. So, I uh, you know, we don't have time to go into a lot of it, but just so I recorded the the series and I did it in 5 and 10 minute increments, sort of sections. We, it, it'll come out as nine parts, 28-minute uh, parts. But we, the reason we did that is because we, it's green screen. We film everything green screen. It's an entire green screen room. I have three cameras, and uh, as I said, I write a script. I do it on PowerPoint, and I can just follow my notes uh, on the three cameras, depending which one I'm looking at. But we had chosen some very interesting backgrounds for me to be in. Things like I would one time would be at the Jefferson Memorial or the Lincoln Memorial. We did one uh, where I was at the Brandenburg Gate. It's a big plaza there. We picked the main background as a sort of uh, cinder block wall and in front of it sort of wooden floor with shadows on it and then there's just this beam sort of shining in on me sitting on a, a stool and it sort of very eerie looking but that's one of the main backgrounds that we've used for me to to talk. Um, I'm in a garden so we had we switched it up a lot so it wasn't just me sitting in front of a camera at a chair and table talking into the camera for 28 minutes so then as they were working on it they began to uh, we really they went to town on the editing and we they do something called b-roll which is adding in you know, short video clips, say, of something going on in Germany, if, you know, Goose Step got, you know, marching down the street or whatever, bombs dropping. And they did a lot of the B-roll and just sort of imagery. And the more they did, the more they realized, wow, this this is dynamic. And so this series is so professionally done, I have not seen the final. (laughs) I don't know what the final product looks like, I've just seen bits and pieces of it. But I was told by the the ones that produced it that this is Netflix quality, that this series could easily air on Netflix or something along those lines, that it's that good. And like I said, I just recorded five and ten minute sections. So we're very excited. Uh, They are furiously working on it. uh, As we're recording this, uh, in about a week or so, I'm going to Nashville for 4th of July. There's a Revive conference there. Our goal is to have that ready to go in DVD format. Now, I have to tell you, these guys have pumped in more than $25,000 into this. I don't even know if you... Like I said, normally in in our messianic, Hebrew roots little world, we sit in front of a screen and just record ourselves for 28 minutes. But this is outside the box. So they they've invested a lot of time and energy and money because they think this is that good we're it's going to have a companion workbook with it our hope is to get it into churches so that people could actually you know along with the workbook they can study I I think it's it's going to be a masterpiece that said it's not going to be free Um, you know we just obviously I don't know that we will recoup everything but our goal is to try to at least recoup as much as we can So, it will probably air one time on Israel TV Network, and it'll run, there'll be nine episodes back, you know, a week apart. It's like a weekly show. But, honestly, it's going to be available on Amazon. Uh, You'll be able to purchase the DVD there. You'll be able to purchase it through my website, also Israel TV Network. It'll be a while before, you know, we're going to release this thing as free downloads. So...
0: Well, I wanted to, this is a caveat. Um, you know, I, I've asked myself, Dean, and I know you'll understand this, why Why do we do this? It, you know, at first it was like a faith-based thing, then it was the Hebrew roots thing, then it was the Torah-based thing. And I finally come to the place where it's just a historical thing. Yeah. And for me, understanding the history of what God has done helps me to see what he's doing here and now. It, it's like, now I can kind of see through history. The uh, it's like an IMAX movie of what the Creator of the Universe has planned and has purposed. I can kind of follow along with it better. I'm not just relying on faith, and so uh, I, you know, the whole concept of being part of a movement or being part of a church or a doctrine, to me, it simply was opening up a book and other books and researching the material that surrounds the narrative of the biblical story. And I think, Dina, that's largely what you have been doing for as long as I've known you.
1: Yeah, I've so, always had a passion for history. Yes. I can remember going back, i trying to think of my earliest memories. Of In public school, I did one of my first speeches I ever did. I think I was in grade 8, was on the seven wonders of the ancient world. Hmm. And... I, you know, that from that moment on, I've always had a fascination with the ancient world and with history, and putting everything in its historical context. That's just who I am. I love to research that. But history is the filter for us to understand where we are today, and we yes. all know, the Bible says, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, history is just repeating and cyclical, because the heart of man is the same from beginning to end, and what he does with power... And control and it's always the same you know tyrants rise up they're always the same I don't care if we're looking at the ancient Assyrians or we're looking today at you know at Hitler and Stalin or Pol Pot or Mao Zedong it doesn't matter they respond the same way and this contrast between benevolent rulers and wicked rulers the Bible speaks of a lot uh, as we go, I mean, you think of the books, all the the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. They're always dealing with the surrounding nations or empires and the rulers of those nations and 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 how tyrannical they are.
0: And they're and, always dealing with the political structure of the time.
1: Absolutely, well, and we so, cannot remove that.
0: No, we can't because that's so critical, folks. We are fighting a political battle, and we and, are. and so did Jesus. And it's like when we talk about Bonhoeffer. For for such a time as this, Bonhoeffer stood up, and he fought against the political structure and the and the lack of daisical attitudes that a lot of the church folks have. And I'm wondering how many Bonhoeffers were at the time of Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand, or how many Bonhoeffers there were, or Billy Graham's there were. At the time of the Inquisition, or excuse me, when the Jews were thrown out of England in in the 12th century. I'm wondering how many of those people, like the disciples, like Rabbi Shaul or Paul, like Joshua, like David, were fighting the same battle and had the same historical information. Well, and it never ended well. It never
1: ends well. You know, Bonhoeffer Which? was hung two weeks before the, ally, the Allies came and liberated April two 9, weeks. 19, 1945. Yep. And so the, when you are a Bonhoeffer, or, you know, pick your historical character, you are in a place of willing to give up everything, including your life, for the sake of your nation and for the people that you love. You give it all. And, you know, we're, we're not really there as a nation, although I imagine there are plenty of people in our nation today who are so compassionate exactly. about the nation, love America, love the people of America, they're willing to to give up everything uh to see things change, and I think that's the place where we have to be it It would be nice if that's where the church was. Uh, but the reality is that's no it's not a place everyone will ever be. You know, one of the most important quotes, the one people quote all the time, and I'm guessing a lot of people don't even know, it's a quote from Bonhoeffer, but when he said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil, and that that God won't hold us guiltless, and not to speak is to speak. I'm sure everybody knows that one, and not to act is to act. And so we're you know we will find out in short order we're already finding out what 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 will happen when we don't speak up and that's our you know we've been given words (laughs) we've been given the ability to speak and declare in the culture what's truth and what isn't and to not speak we're making a statement right there And I just use the word the church for lack of a better term, but those of the faith community where we have abdicated our responsibility to push back in the culture. And now we're all going, oh, my gosh, how did we get here? Well, we got here because way back we didn't say anything, and we kept not saying anything and not saying anything, and we just continued to cave and compromise. So here we are. So it's D-Day. Either we speak out and we will suffer consequences. We have to be willing to suffer those consequences because we love our nation and the people of this nation so much we're willing to take on, you know, take it on the chin.
0: Well, I think, too, that if we can move out of a position of fear into a position of service, then we recognize that Jesus or Yeshua proper walked out of the grave. He he, is... His martyrdom, if that's what you want to call it, and that was probably apropos for the day for many, but death was not the victor, right. and so I, I try to. I try. Here's here's my my thought on on why we're doing you're doing Bonhoeffer, why I go back and study the Arab slave trade, and all of the different things is because history, understanding the true history, not revised history, which we all had been taught, whether in the churches or in the school systems in the United States of America, understanding the actual history emboldens you because now you have a, 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 a modicum of truth that you can that will support why we're fighting this battle in the first place. If you stop and think about Abraham Lincoln, all of the disciples, and everyone who's died for the cause, those are the people we celebrate, and that's the history that's trying to be erased. And you, you have to understand that whether it's in the natural or the supernatural, if they can erase history, if history can be erased, then we have nothing to really draw on as a backdrop. And, and so,
1: that's, that's the goal of the left, the radical left, is to erase oh, yes. our history and erase our language and, you, and erase you know what's left of our Judeo-Christian culture. You take that out, there's nothing left. It's a house of cards that collapses. And our greatest enemy in all this is fear. And we counter that with courage, and not courage that we kind of create in ourselves, but the courage that God bestows upon us when we are faithful servants. He will give us the courage that we need if we are willing to be faithful and to be used and to be vessels that, that, that can be
0: used. And you have to remember something, too. This fight is about life and life eternal. It's not about death. It's about the promises that every single thing the God of creation, the God of Israel, has bestowed upon mankind in order to be fulfilled. So he's not going to stop fighting. He's not going to quit. He's not going to walk away. And as servants to the kingdom, it's our obligation. To understand the battle that we're in, to learn the history, to understand the culture, and to understand those who have gone before us. Because without that knowledge, folks, we're kind of sitting ducks. And if we get too comfortable, then we're targets. And the ideal is to be warriors for the king. And and I, I, I just, I think the reason you're doing the Bonhoeffer thing, Dina, is because he was a warrior for the kingdom. Amen. And we have to know that history, and I salute you for doing it. I, and, and folks, if you're not familiar with Israel TV Network, just go to israeltvnetwork.org and go through some of their programming and learn about them and support them because they're trying to bring historical information to the forefront, not just sermons and feel good messages. And this is what I love about Israel TV Network. Uh, and I'm a history guy. Dina, you mentioned when you were a kid. When I was a kid, I got to stand before an audience in New York City. We were flown in. I did a report on the school that I went to. Uh, this was a school set apart from home, and it was done so well because I went and studied the history of Georgia during the Republic. I did an entire essay upon it. I won, and they flew us to New York to put a uh, to put on a presentation with the students because of the historical document that I had drawn up. So I got to go represent. Ever since that moment, I've been a history person. I've been in love with history. So for me, it's funny how you mentioned that because understanding true history is a passion of mine. I There's so much truth in history that once you get there and you start turning these pages over and you go, oh, wow, that's you begin to see the lie and the lie per, the lie permeates every aspect of our modern society but if we don't know that then we're living a lie and we don't understand that there is a foundation of truth behind every lie yeah and and i believe history uncovers a lot of that but Dina, we're just about at the end of our program I'll, I'll give you the last word if you want
1: okay i well i would just really encourage people i mean i uh, posted a few uh, i had a promo and we did a we posted the intro just about 30 seconds, but I want to really encourage you, uh, even if you've watched the previous series, um, this one is so different. And again, so it, this is going to be so professional. This is not going to be like anything you have ever seen. And again, Israel TV Network has invested time and money into this. They believe in it. Our goal is to take it everywhere. All, you know, as many churches that they, with the workbook, they can work through it. They recognize the enemy that we are facing, uh, the tyranny of the radical left in our country and what it's going to take. Now, I'm, you know, it's probably not going to be everybody, it wasn't everybody in the revolutionary war, but if we can just get everyone, you know, get people to wake up and see what we're facing. So, just stay tuned. Uh, it's called Bonhoeffer from Tyranny to Freedom. And, it'll again, it will be on Israel TV Network. It will be on my website. I will keep you all informed through Facebook and whatever other methods I can uh, let you know. We'll probably talk more about it on Podbean once it comes out because that's when people are just going to be blown away. They're, they're just going to be blown away by the quality of this.
0: And on that note, folks, I want to remind the folks that are local to me, get signed up for the conference the yeah, law school yeah. conference with professor yeah. John Walton and Dr. Dina Dye. Dean, I know you're going to be at uh you're going to be down in Tennessee next month. Yeah,
1: well, 4th of July uh revived Nashville, following week Oregon, um
0: love for Israel and conference. you'll come back here. Yeah, no, well, I've
1: got a couple others in between, but then right. uh, the end of uh, early September back in Washington.
0: All right, folks. Well, this is Jeff Morton and Dr. Dina Dye signing off and returning to Eden. We appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we look forward to the next time. Thank you. God bless you, and have a great, great, great Sunday afternoon. Shalom,
1: shalom.